welcome to a special edition of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast. This podcast is being brought to you by the great folks at the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calhoun, New York. We have another edition for you of Memories of a Catskill Entertainer by Carol Montana. And this month, we are featuring Billy Vine. Billy Vine, a longtime technical director and stage manager at the Sullivan County's Concord Hotel, is one of the people who made it all possible. I am speaking with Billy Vine, longtime technical director and stage manager at the Concord Hotel. Billy, where and when were you born, please? I was born uh, 9943 in Lower Manhattan. And did you grow up there? I spent um, about five or six years in a building that uh, my family owned at uh, 59th Street Central Park. And my father was a comedian, and the war had just ended. Things were looking good, and he was very, very busy. And my mother was Radio City Music Hall Rockette. So we were busy, and I was near the park, and I have pictures with me with the little shorts and uh, a little jacket and a little tie and a handkerchief and all. So that's, that's, that's where I started, right down there. And then, then we got moving and uh, wound up um, moving to a house we built out in Long Island, and my father did a movie out in California. But as a young guy, I went up to the Concord with my father, Billy Vine, the comedian, and um, he worked on Broadway, and he did, he did a lot of things. He was very versatile, very funny, very clever. And um, he, he did the Catskills. So I came along. He said, yeah, I want you to come with me because I need you backstage to set up before I go. I said, what? What are you setting up, Dad? You're a stand-up comic. You go to the microphone and you make them laugh and they pay you. I said, you yeah, know. He said, no, there's a couple of other things that go on, it's Billy. It's a little more complicated than that. Right? So uh, sorry I'm going the long way around to your question, <laughs> but it brings us to me getting up. To the Catskills and, and being backstage and prepping my dad with all the things that he needed laid out on the thing, on the table, so that he could get from his clothes that we drove up in and stuff into the, his tuxedo with the right shoes and the right jewelry and the right everything on. And uh, he was ready to go on. And how old were you? Uh, I was uh, probably 10. Okay. So 10, 11, you know, sometimes he would, he, uh, he says, you know, my son, Billy, I, I couldn't do the show without him. You know, he passes out the music. And my, my dad had bow music and some other music. And, you know, there's no business like show business, whatever. So he, he paid homage to all that. And he said to the audience, Billy's with me. He's backstage. And you want to say hi? Yeah, Billy, come on out here. These people are great. Come on, come on. So I would come out. So we had a stock line set up. It said, Billy, to, oh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Billy, um, mom called. Uh, I was backstage, so I picked up your phone like that. And she wanted to, she asked me a question, and I didn't know the answer. And she asked me if you took a bath last night. And I said, why? No, is there one missing? <laughs> so that was our little shtick thing. He said, hey, I'm doing a job. My Billy Jr., ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So that was 11, 12, and unfortunately, at 13, my father went to sleep at 42 years old I'm and so never sorry. woke up, oh. never woke up. But my mother was in Wheeling, West Virginia, a little girl, and they used to have Arthur Murray Dance Studios in every town. Huckleberry? Arthur Murray oh, Dance Arthur Murray. Studios. Got it. And they okay. put one there in Wheeling, West Virginia. And my mother looked inside and said, Wow, that's what I want to do. So she signed up. She went in. She took dancing lessons. She got a newspaper. She called. She made arrangements at one of the tryouts for Radio City Music Hall. She got on a bus from Wheeling, West Virginia, coal mine town, and went to New York City and was there on time and auditioned. And got the job as a Radio City Music Hall Rockhead as 18 years old. Wow. That is not easy to do. I've heard about that. Wow. It, it's it's tough. 
So, so tell me something. All this time when your father was playing up here, your mother's learning to be a dancer. Where well, but, were you? Where were you going to school? I went to um, the school in Long Island, uh, where we built a home in Jamaica Estates, and then I went to a military academy because my father got a movie, Vagabond King, with Rusty Kirk, all this stuff like that. So they. We were moved out there. We they rented a house for us, and I. Um, you said military school. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Black, that was where in in California. California Black Fox Military Academy. My father felt that if I had to come out for breakfast and stand in front of the door till the inspector guy walked down the floor and made sure my shoes were tied right, my uh, necktie was on and not on my, my belt buckle was in the front, not where I had it on the side, et cetera, et cetera. Learn how to get information, file it away, follow orders. It would be better because I popped in and out of schools because he was in New York, then out to the coast. Then he was in Vegas in the beginning, knowing the guys from Manhattan, you know, all the guys, you know, Louie and, and Vinny. Hey, Vito, yeah, Billy, yeah, you got to come out to Vegas. Hey, wait, wait, you know. So uh, that was the beginning. But when I was, I'll say 12, it was a camp. I left camp. I got a ride into Monticello. I went backstage. My father was on. He came off. I was standing there. I had to come here. That's not for me. I don't want to. That whole camp thing is that I, I want to be with you. So I wound up going with him on all his jobs and setting up backstage and so on and so forth. And, and, uh, you can't replace it. You can't redo it. I'm glad that it happened. But my father set me up so that when Tom Jones walked in the door to do his show and Julio Iglesias and anybody, I knew everything that had to get accomplished for that Saturday night. So I had to get stagehands. And at the point, there was no stagehands like, you know, a union. I, I got guys from different parts, bellhops and this and that. and So it was really the beginning, and it was in a very, very big stage. The Concord Hotel's stage was enormous. When they built it, General Motors heard about it and got on board. They wanted to be able to bring their cars to the Imperial Room, drive them from outside in on the stage because they had the curtain and they could fly them and lift up cars. You know, Pontiac and all the General Motors cars were a showroom with Cadillac, a showroom with pa Pontiac, Oldsmobile. You follow me? Yes. So you had like an auto show at at the Concord, at the Concord. for the New York State dealers, right? Would come to the Concord. So it's a it was a new thing, you know. Oh, here you get a room, you get the meals, you come down to the Imperial Room, you see the new cars presented. With the spotlight and the curtains opening up, you know, 59, 60, and like that, all those years and all. And all of that lent itself to let me be flexible enough when certain shows came in. I mean, they had four tractor trailers outside, and they were full. There's a guy on the ramp that comes with that truck, and he tells you the number of that case where it goes on the stage, so it's a downstage speaker monitor. So that's so you pick up th that, you pick up the lighting, you pick up the dressing room requirements, you pick up the quick change booths and the wings backstage, you know. So it stuck with me, and the Concord Hotel was a very unusual place. That was Saturday night. You had a big superstar name. Right. And Sunday morning, Women's League for Conservative Judaism checked in and went in to have meetings after breakfast with a podium and the curtain closed. <laughs> and just hours before, there were four tractor trailers of sets and curtains and movie screens. So it really made a big, flexible, can I do that kind of thing. and. Uh, if you don't love it, you couldn't you couldn't do that. Oh, do trust that. me, I know that. You know, and when you hear Howie Mandel came to the Concord many many times, you know, I right. had pictures with him and so so so. Well, you know what? You actually answered 
quite a few. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Questions. Oh, no, no, not at all. That's fine. Because I was going to ask what you, what influenced you to be in theater, but you, there you were with your father. Okay. Yeah, there, there I was. Were. Billy Sr. Yeah. And, when, uh, when, tell me one thing. When you were in medic, in, um, in military school for a short time, um, was there any theater that you were involved in then? They didn't have any. No. They had shop. That shops. So, wooden okay. things, you know, you cut out a thing or something like that. <laughs> so that's where you picked up some carpentry skills that you would need later on. Yeah, it did. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What was it about technical theater, all right, lighting, sound, stage managing, et cetera, that drew you to that as a profession? Because, I, I mean, your father was a comedian. You could have followed in those footsteps. Instead, you chose to be backstage. What What was it you liked about that? I remember having conversations with my father's father, Dave Vine, David Vine, actually Weinberg. But back in the days of the Palace Theater, they had shows, 50 cents. The Irish hung out with the Irish. The Italian in lower Manhattan hung out with the Italians. And that's how those groups were. And that's how they went into the Palace Theater, or whatever place it was. And they had an easel on stage. And they had the name of the act. And a girl came out with a little short skirt. And she would flip the page over to the next act. and would have their name there. And they introduced it and come out. And they were short little acts and this and that. So Was this like vaudeville? Exactly. Okay. But it in... in Watching my f grandfather and then my father attend to the different ethnic groups sitting in the room. And my father told me, he says, watch when I, watch when I do this, this Chinese joke. Buddy Hackett made a big routine about the Chinese waiter. You want one from column A or one from column B? No, if you order, Buddy Hackett made a big deal or in his act about the Chinese waiter. Okay. He just put a white um, towel over his arm, and he went to the microphone like somebody would be ordering in a, in a Chinese restaurant. Right. And it was very, 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 very funny. But what my, what my father was bringing my attention to was, when I tell a certain joke, you're going to hear the laughter exclusively from this area. <laughs> from of, that section of the From that the section room. of the Palace Theater. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, he explained all that to me. And um, I, I, just, I just feel that the repeat performers coming back to the Concord year after year, year after year, their show getting better, them having another hit, making a movie, so and so and so forth. And the audience filled up the room in 3,000 seats. Hello. Right. You know, right. the audience filled up the room. So Buddy Hackett knew what he was doing, and 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 and, and guys like that. And uh, there's no business like show business. That's all. Right, but again, why why did you choose to work on the technical side? Hmm. Because I didn't feel comfortable on stage telling jokes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I felt very comfortable setting up, getting it right and receiving accolades from big names. Hey, BV, you want to go on the road? I said, no, 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 no. I have a, a good setup here. I have, you know, my, my boat's in the lake. I live here. They gave me a home on the property and whatever it was. So that's the answer to that. So you're train you really had on the job training. Absolutely. You didn't, did you go to school at all for tech theater? At one point, I had to get qualified, so I had to go to a Soho a rigging, theatrical rigging, right? To fly out, okay. Movie screens or set pieces or drapes, counterbalance. Concord Hotel had um, a fifty-two line grid backstage with seventy-five feet wide pipe. Wow. That flew 75 feet up. That was to be able to put things on stage, have them go up, and then open up the curtain two minutes after that. And there's a whole different thing that was pushed in and legs put it 
to, to frame it out in the backdrop. But the other things were up in, you know, near the catwalk up on top. It was an overhead weight loaded machine. So I had to go over there and get certified because the people on tour with large shows from Vegas and et cetera, they didn't want to work with, it's a, a word, scab labor, you know, not a union man. So I joined the union and then I went to rigging school down in, in, in lower Manhattan and I found out how all of that rigging goes in the waiting and how do you get rid of a quick change booth in the wings after it's used and you need that later for, you know, other things to happen that are involved with that and, show. And the union was um, IATSE? Yeah, IATSE. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Local I, number I was one. pronounced it Yahtzee. I don't know. Yahtzee, IATSE. IATSE. Yeah, okay. lo lo local number one. Yeah. That, that union's been around for a while. So your first professional job, all right, as a kid, I'm thinking you probably didn't get paid when you were doing stuff for your dad, right? Uh, I got paid in a lifetime of knowledge. <laughs> and you know, you're kind of young, but you're going to have to figure it out pretty soon. So here's the answer. Okay. And so boom, he hit it me with it. So. so what was the first job that you had that you got paid for, Billy? Uh, let's see. Got the Go get the swimming license. I remember I went to the school. Got a, They threw a brick in the pool. I went down, picked up the thing, brought it up, and I got a lifeguard license. <laughs> and I was a lifeguard. At the Concord Hotel. Did in, you did you do windows too? Uh, what? <laughs> well, I married a girl <laughs> whose father built them in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Elumo products, yeah. Okay. I'm not giving them a plug. The point is, is you know, the more tools you have in your bag, sure, the less running around you have to do to go get something that'll make this this work or open or close or be right, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so, so your early career was uh, was what? Was where? Was at the Concord or early? No, my early career was at the Concord. Yeah. At the Concord. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was because your dad was there as a performer. Performing a lot. And actually, um, he influenced a lot of other performers. Make sure you get yourself up there. Call Phil Greenwald. Let him catch your show. Whatever. Philip Greenwald was the uh, booking agent for, booking for the Concord. For the Concord, okay. yeah. Okay. And uh, he, he did some amazing uh, things. And uh, people going out to Vegas, I went out to Vegas with Jim Bailey. Jim Bailey is a guy who became Judy Garland physically in front of you. He would come out and sing Judy. Then a comic did 12 minutes, and then he'd come out as himself. Wow. And Jim Bailey did Papa Streisand and Judy Garland. And I traveled with him. So I asked the Concord, I said, look, this is the time of the year, but I, I can get somebody backstage to just, you know, give them a full up, give them a microphone in the show. At the end of the show, thank you and good night, ladies and gentlemen. You know? So I went out to Vegas and, and I, I did a week with Jim Bailey at a Vegas hotel and I saw how the shows worked out there. And, you know, very strict, very uh, right to the letter of the law. And it, it was um, it was what I expected. It wasn't like, oh, my God, you know, this is really uh, you got to can only go this far backstage. You can't because I don't know if something is going to fly in for, you know, it was just a, a big learning experience to go out there and see how these um, shows are done two times a night. The, the, put together. Sure. But yeah, sure. Okay. You had the. the uh, the drinking show, uh, the, the dinner show is okay. the first show, and then you came back and there was no food for the second show. So that you called a, it a drinking show? Nah, well, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going through a lot of stuff real quick. I don't want to take too much time. But um, the first show uh, was come in, have dinner, see the show, out. Second show, come in, sit down, no dinner. Language, a little looser. Sure. Some words would appear in that second show late at night. That wasn't, that weren't in the first show. Correct. Got it. Okay. You know, the, okay. okay. But you pick it up, you pick it up, you, pick it up, you know. Tell me, tell me what uh, performers or teachers influenced you 
there's a lot of them, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but I'm going to tell you that. Um, let's let's narrow you, it down. Let's narrow it down. Did you did you have any teachers, uh, people you considered teachers? Well, ha- believe it or not, Howie Mandel. Howie uh, Mandel. Yeah, Howie Mandel. On um, he didn't even know he was a germaphobic. He had a full head of hair. I kissed him on right. the cheek. And he said, oh, and on his cheek, Billy. I said, it's show business. It's <laughs> not, it has the, hey, baby, how are you? See, you know, and whatever. We became very, very friendly. And then after the show, he said, you know, I have this guy over here. You want to take a ride? I said, yeah, I'll take a ride. Where do you go? He said, to my house. So we went down the quick way. We went down the Palisades Parkway and all that stuff. And he was uh, on the other side of George Washington Bridge. Up in there, he had a house. So how he... Um, mentioned a lot of stuff that you wouldn't normally hone in on. And he based it around his germaphobic feeling, but he had not yet arrived where he could just, you know, now when he does the talent show out in the California, you know, okay. Um, they all put the hand on the golden buzzer. He waits for them to put the hand on it. He just goes near their hand. On top. He doesn't touch them. He yes. hasn't, yeah. But um, I'll give you one Howie thing real quick, okay? Okay. That's how, not cl- close, that's, you know, okay. We just clicked t- together, and we could really make each other laugh a lot and have fun. So um, Howie says to me, hey, Billy, can you get a, uh, uh, like an old uh, truck, a load of pickup truck, you know, a farm t- truck something I said, what do you need it? He says, well, first, let's find out if we if you can get it. I said, well, I have a 1974 International Harvester field truck, four-wheel drive. It's green. It'll go through anything, this and that. He says, yeah. It, it, can you get it here tonight? I said, of course I can get it here tonight. I, I, can, I can take you outside. We're backstage in the dressing room. I said, I can take you outside. It's in the loading dock. It's right here. When I looked at it, he went, perfect. Bring that tonight. Come back in the dressing room. Close the door. Okay, just between you and me. Here's what's going to happen. You talk to the people you have to and make announcements in the dining room at lunch. Will the owner of a 1974 International Harvester Field pickup truck kindly move your truck? You're blocking the coffee shop entrance. (laughs) Now, times that, you're blocking this. You're blocking the... You're blocking the... Okay, make those announcements. Make it at dinner. Make it before. I said, okay, I got the idea. He says, now, take the truck, put it back here in the corner, in the side. The end of my show, I want to get in the truck. I'll take the wireless mic with me. And we worked out the details. So, the end of the show come. Howie says, you guys are great. I bow to you, blah, 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 blah. How about this? How about the band? How about, okay, like that, like Comes back, gets in the truck, and comes out to the center of the stage. Takes the wireless microphone out of his hand and says, you know something? I love the Concord crowd. I love the Concord food. I love this imperial room. I love Billy Vine and this crew backstage. But you know what? You can't park anywhere. Oh, my God. He was the guy who blocked the coffee shop entrance. He oh, was, that's hysterical. So when you have that kind of a mindset, and then I went with it, sure, we're going to be got friends and hang out. And, you know, and say, yeah. sure. Andrew Dice Clay, Billy, but I can't talk about Andrew Dice Clay. What do you mean you can't talk? I said, you know what he paid me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ton of money. This, this guy know how to tip. <laughs> no, but that's in my blood, you know? Got it, got cut, it. Cut my finger, ha ha. Tell, tell me, tell me, how long were you at the Concord? How many years? My, after I was thirteen, uh, and I was there my whole life, my whole life. Just, your, your whole yeah, life. Yeah, my whole life there. You know. <laughs> yes, I worked at other places. Uh, that was my next question. What other place? What other hotels did you work in? I didn't work in any and in hotels. No, I, I went out to Vegas as. The stage manager for Jim Bailey to do his impressions of Barbara Streisand, like, you follow me? And that was at whether it's Tropicana or, you know, whichever st- hotels on the strip. 
that he was booked in for two weeks, two shows a night, that kind of thing. I got away. Okay, so after the Concord closed, you didn't go to any of the other hotels? Yes, yes. After it closed, the first one I went to, I believe, was Helen and Milt Kutcher at the Kutcher's Hotel. Then after the Kutcher's demise, I went to... Um, Mari Passanti, the villa, Villa Roma, and they had a little booth with a little handheld sp- spotlight up there. Just with so I said to Marty Passanti, I said, Marty, we're going to upgrade a couple of things here, okay? Because you're booking in some acts that that dressing room that's backstage, that ain't going to make it. <laughs> you, you, and, we, and we're going to have the dining room bring down something to put there instead of nothing. You want to show them, I'm happy that you're here, and here's something to nibble on, even if it's cookies, you know, and and tea, uh, whatever. So say that then, then the, uh, that fell apart and went down. I have a quick Catskill story for you. What a coincidence. One, my next question was, tell me a couple of stories about working in the Catskills. Okay. You're reading so, my mind, Billy. Go ahead. Arthur Wernerick. Came off the boat. He built, Arthur Wernerick, he was the head of the Concord. Built, he built, he built the he Concord. He was the owner of the Concord. Okay. He came off the boat from Europe with a little suitcase, and he went downtown, and he had to get a job, and he got a job selling newspapers downtown by the financial, Liberty Street, and all those. Okay. So he's selling, selling, and Arthur tells me this, the story. Said, Marvin? Arthur. Oh, Arthur. Arthur okay. Wernerick. Arthur tells me, he says, and then soon, almost immediately, I found this is not going to work out too good. The light turns red. I sell them the papers. They're on the other side of the street going uptown. It turns green. Now all the cars go away. I need a partner. For so, the other side of the street? To sell the newspapers. <laughs> he's, he's missing 50% of what he could have been. <laughs> Okay. True stories are the best stories. I believe it. I believe I'm a young kid, and I'm going, you built this whole Concord? Okay. Wow. So Arthur tells me, I get a partner, whatever his name is. Okay. Now he's making money. What does he do? He says, we got to rent some space in the basement, one of these places. They had the metal doors in New York City on a sidewalk. The sidewalk doors? Open them up. Oh, yeah. That was for the coal chute. To stoke for the for the furnace for all that. But then they put storage down there. Okay, like that. So <clears throat> tells his partner, we gotta buy a bathtub. <laughs> partner said, he looked at me like I was a crazy man. A bathtub? What are we gonna do with a bathtub? Of course he wouldn't know because I didn't tell him. So I figured now it's time to tell him. We're gonna put the bathtub down there. We're gonna make moonshine like they're making in the basement of the White House. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about here? <laughs> And they made moonshine. But I'm going to lower the alcohol content in the moonshine and add a fragrance. I've been going on the little boat across the Jersey City. They have a place there. And they could lower it to 17% alcohol or whatever. And then they could put a fragrance in. Morning dew or cherry blossom. And his, his partner, he said, I could look, the look on his face is like, what are you talking about? He said, I'm going to make aftershave lotion <laughs> to put on every place. If you can picture Babe Ruth hitting the baseball, the audience with straw hat, suit, vest, tie, they all look the same in the baseball field in, in 1920, whatever, 2018, 1920. During I Prohibition. It, I, yeah. I, he was I, making moonshine, right? Yeah, he was... So he made the moonshine in the basement, lowered the alcohol content, put in a fragrance, and it became Jerry's hair tonic. <laughs> now he was making money. <laughs> a friend comes up, says, Arthur, we just came back from the mountains, from the Catskills. Wow. Beautiful with the lake and the green tree. Oh, my God. You got to go. Now, the quick way was Route 17. B was two lanes, one up and one down. Arthur and Eric says, how do I get? He says, you go on the train. It's not like it's a long ride, but you'll get to the town, the town, the town, this town, and then Monticello. You get to Monticello. So he did that. 
Got a realtor up there, looks at some property. And I think that Kayamisha Lake, uh, where they take the water from, that was the first property that was shown. He, they, he got other properties shown, but he went back to that, and that's what he bought was that property. They cleared it, this and that, and he bought the main house and two bungalows. That got him started. After that, more bungalows, more people, more, 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 more. And all the families, if you have like Kutcher's, those, they started the same way. And the name, all the, all the hotels started grossing as Jenny and that whole gang up in Liberty. They all started the same way. In New York, the horses had a wooden cart behind it and they were tied up. They relieved themselves right there in the street. Number one and number two. Right. And it's summer and it's hot and it stinks. And the cars didn't have the ignition and filter systems like we have today, the clean burn. It's, but to get up in the Catskills in a bungalow for the summer, those 10 weeks, that was- With the clean air. The clean air. And there's a movie out, Blue Moon. You would love it. It's about the Catskills- and he goes in every Sunday night to work to, to Manhattan. He works Monday to Friday. Then he comes back up. Blue Moon is the name of the movie. And you would really love it because it clearly shows the beginning, the birth of the Catskills, how the bungalow colonies uh, began and what happened down right. the road. Yeah. Right. And all the doctors were saying to come to the mountains because it's healthy. Healthy. At the same time. Sure. Tell me something. You've already named some of the celebrities you worked with. Name a few more. Thank you you. Mentioned, uh, you mentioned Joan Rivers, uh, Howie Mandel, Tom Jones. Tom Jones, many, many. I can't tell you how many times because he sold out that room. And when you sell out for Tom Jones, you got that person there for the weekend. Okay. He would... Uh, you. Do you mean he would do three shows? No, no, no. He would be Saturday night, but you check in Friday. You okay. get you get dinner. Okay. You get the show Friday night. Then Saturday you you swim and you went everything skiing. You went indoor. Right. You know, um, another great Milton Burrow. Uh, another great, another great. Loved my father. Had a great. They used to go to the 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 coffee shop on in Broadway, and they would hang out over here. Ben Vereen. My, wow. My daughter's handing me pictures. Thank you, Janie. I appreciate it very much. Bobby uh, Vinton? Yeah. Lonely, uh, Mr. Lonely. <laughs> uh, she wore blue velvet. And uh, Harry Belafonte? Oh, yes. Day wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. Handsome, Harry. Yeah. Um, this is Rosie O'Donnell. Wow. Rosie O'Donnell. Can you read what she wrote? That says what does it say? to dear... Billy. Billy. Yeah. Thanks for making me look good, sound good, feel good, <laughs> right. something like that. Yeah, Rosie yeah. Something like that. So when you add that up, you know And that's and that's nineteen ninety five. That's um Yeah. Okay. Sicherese. Wow. Wow. Is that is that wow is that legs. stunning? Oh my goodness. Uh, my goodness. Uh James Brown. My goodness. Wow. And, um, that's it. That's in the imperial room. Wow. That's that, in the imperial. And you said you said July Fourth weekend. I really dressed the, up the stage. You said the imperial room is in the, the Concord Hotel. Imperial room is the nightclub of the Concord Hotel. And it's in. You said it was in the Guinness Book of World Records as before. the world's largest nightclub. That means you're not having dinner in there. You're walking in, you have a, a, a table and chairs, and you have a drink. Okay. That's right. But okay. we use it for many, many other things. We change that room around into a different configuration for conventions, and we put tables out in the room. No chairs. And we, yeah. Just so, tables. Just, oh, oh, so people could come in and- The, the, the watch people, all the jewelry people, stuff, all the, right. that, that kind of thing, okay. you know? But that was there during the day. But at the end of the day, they closed it. That had to get cleared out. All the tables had to come in. All the chairs had to come in. Then he had to dress the room. You know what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. So you were not only the stage manager and technical director, you were the house manager also. I would have to say so. There's 
you were because you were in charge. You were in charge of of getting all that all that done, getting the tables pulled away. Right, because the imperial room had an entrance in the fountain lobby, and there was a big fountain, and so on and so forth. When you opened those doors and walked into the, it it was, um, I mean, more than impressive. It was staggering the the size of that room. Oh, I'm sure. And the stage. And you could drive cars on stage? What are you talking about here? <laughs> Did uh, you Willie have- Nelson, he put his bus backstage, and he says, Billy, it's Billy. I got to tell you right away, after the show, I'm going to be in my bus. That he has a name for his bus. He says, if people are going to come to see me and say hi and get something signed, don't turn anybody, not one, away because God knows, after the Internal Revenue, what they did with me, <laughs> somebody might hand me a cassette, and that'd be my next million seller, and I need that right now, Billy. I said, Willie, I got you covered. Oh, that's right awesome. <laughs> that's a great story. Did you have one favorite performer you worked with? I know you love them all, but can you pick out one? Billy Vine. <laughs> Your dad? Senior. Your dad, okay. He did a crying drunk on stage. The wedding bells are breaking up that old gang of mine. They're banging and banging and clinging and clanging. Goddamn wedding bells. He'd go back on his heels from the microphone. Yeah. And still catch himself and come back and say, don't walk away from me when I'm talking to you, to the audience. Wow. I mean, he was the essence of a drunk, but the wedding bells broke up the old gang of his. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. He, he gave me a, a real a freedom and an exposure, and I don't think I would have been able to come in contact with these superstars and be able to be comfortable in their presence and then call me and say, Billy, you know, it's coming up. I'm, I'm coming up. One once-in-a-lifetime job situation. It wasn't a job. It was not. You job. loved what you did, and Who as wouldn't? the saying goes, if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. I did. That's there it. There you go. That's okay, it. now the opposite question. Was there, who was the most difficult performer you worked with? Well, let me state this. Difficult is, is very hard. It's, it's, uh, um, it's from your perspective. Yeah, well, my perspective is telling me to answer you that uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is a perfectionist, as many other performers of that level of stage, stage and screen, Hollywood, Vegas, you know, all the different things that a guy like Sammy Davis. Sammy Davis Jr., my dear, came to the Concord many, many years before he was a star. We had a bar in the lobby called the Night Owl Lounge. It's in the Guinness World Book of Records as well, because it's not a straight bar from the main lobby to the other side of the the bar. Some genius builder came in and sold them a bill of goods, and it worked. They took the bar, and they went around and in. And then around and back out <laughs> and around and back in. And this is the back bar and this is the glass and all the booze is here. You got that picture? Yeah. So if you add up the in and the out all the way down to the front lobby, that's the world's longest bar. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. So you know okay. the punchline is what it was, okay? <laughs> so being we're in the night out lounge... With the world's longest bar on the other side. We got a little stage. Heinz, Heinz, and Dead. The Will Maston Trio. Will Maston Trio. Yeah. That's Sammy Davis Jr. with his two uncles. And they worked there nine years. You come down after dinner. You go into the night of the lounge for a drink. Sammy's up there doing his thing. But he also plays the trumpet. He also tap dances. He also has a piece of wood that Billy Vine helped him with and put some sand on it. And I put some microphones on the side. And he's doing the soft shoe stuff like that. <laughs> and because that audience could relate to that. And then Sammy got later, later, Sammy Davis Jr. says to my father, Big Billy, he's Billy. Big Billy. See you at a Jewish star there. <clears throat> 
I'm thinking I need to talk to you about that Jewish star you're wearing. He says, yeah, let's go backstage. We'll have peace, quiet. We won't get interrupted. We could talk. They did. At the end of that whole meeting back there in conversation, my father told me, he said, what Sammy asked me was, how do I convert to Judaism? Wow. He was exposed to such great people that are Jews. And he found out for himself firsthand that Morty Lieber was is a dynamite person and his wife, uh, you know. So Sammy wanted to get converted. My father helped him, saw him through to have a bar mitzvah, et cetera, et cetera. And then the water, the little pool. And he bought him a gold piece that he had custom made in a jeweler in New York. It's round, like a 50-cent piece almost. Solid gold with a Jewish star with the blue and the white of precious uh, stone in it like that. And it says, um, to Sammy, with love, B.V. or Billy Vine or B. Vine, 1953 or something like that. Wow. He had one made for himself because my father was married to a shiksa. My mother's <laughs> Polish. You know, but when my father was born, my grandfather said, David Weinberg. No, 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 no. Get off the berg right away. Do the vine, that part. David. Uh, okay, how about Dave Vine? Yeah, Dave Vine. That's better. He worked the Palace Theater and he, he, he did di different languages. So that audience was happy. Back to the Catskills, back to Sammy Davis and my father with the medallion. He made up one for Sammy, gave it to him. Made up one for him, wore it. Gave one to me and gave one to my brother, David. That's beautiful. Yeah. Was there one show that was your biggest nightmare? And I'm, I'm asking this from my own personal experience. Very simple. Yeah, what? Top of my... Can I use the S-H-I-T word? <laughs> Top well, of the list. There is a performer, I don't know if he's still around anywhere, he might be a busboy somewhere, <laughs> but um, Andrew Dice Clay, what I want, is I want Andrew Dice Clay, want to be a comic, he wanted to be a comic, he came to the Concord, he didn't know how to handle him, the audience himself, he didn't know which way, hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Andrew Dice Clay. He was smoking a cigarette. Andrew yeah, Dice Clay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. When I was working at the college, I, there was one group of performers that were more difficult than others. So I'm asking you, of singers, comedians, dancers, novelty acts, was one group of performers harder to work with than the others? They're perfections, and that doesn't say they're harder to work. They're just checking that I've got it under control. Mm -hmm. It's done. It's down pat. It's ready. Can I see that look now? Black out everything. One single light coming straight down. Because she knows that at the end of this particular song, heartbreaking song, that the side lighting is going to dissolve. Right. But there are many, not many, several bars left to the song. And then the overhead special is going to be there. But the pin spot, the waist spot, the pin spot is going to dissolve. And as you're finishing that last note, that overhead special is going to drop, drop in, in lumens and in, in, in brightness. And then when you put your hands down, it goes out. It goes out. And the people are, Jesus, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then the lights have to come up properly, not bam, hello, you know. Right. It just mushrooms back over. Did you like that? Did you like it? Let them hear. That's what the, those are the real pros, you know, and that's the Ann Margaret's, and that's the, the uh, those are those kind yeah, of people yeah. who know, you know. What of of lighting, sound, setting up the the stage was one of those your favorite? Did you like doing lighting or sound better or what? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Kindly take your seats at showtime. Oh, oh we got the announcing. Well, we had some people, and they didn't show up on time. We're waiting on a show because the show. he went to the cocktail parties, gathering up the drinks that they put down on the table <laughs> into an ice pitcher, and then he's going to come in and conduct the orchestra. Well, it doesn't work, and sometimes things like that catch up with you. Okay. So when they did, 
the owners came to me, Whitfield Greenwood, and said, Billy, look, you're right in the wings, you're right back here. Marty Beck just got fired. Oh, He's my. Here 30 years. Oh, my God. Actually, <laughs> paid the porter to bring him back. You use drink, put it into the thing. That's why he, he, you'll have it clearly written in front of you. The name of the thing, Tom Jones. That's it. There you go. So that's answering your question. Okay. Okay. That answers absolutely. And it stayed that way forever. Did you ever have any power outages and not be able to go on with the show? No. Good. Okay. All right. That's always a scary thing when you're doing theater. Funniest thing ever to happen to you on stage. Funniest thing that ever happened on your stage. Well, so many. I mean, Ah. it really is. It's. Oh, okay. Billy, Billy's daughter's giving her, him my, a, a note here. <laughs> no, she gave me a couple of hand signals, and uh, I'm going to tell you this story because okay. it's a true story, and okay. it's a great story, and it happened- It's what we're here for. Only at the Concord. Okay. How about that as a phrase? <laughs> that outdoor pool. Okay. And the, he, they got divers from Acapulco from the, the cliffs, Raul Garcia- Came to the Concord and he had the things built. I'm going to get right back to the other thing. And he dedicated the dive to Sylvia Ginsburg from her husband, Murray. Okay. <laughs> and she, he did a 150-foot dive into the diving tank. But I think my father was influential maybe in getting this out only at the Concord. Okay. Because these other places never could feed 3000 people breakfast lunch and dinner right, right right let alone a cocktail party and then switch it for a meeting room okay we're going to did i ever hear what um the 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 funniest the funniest uh, thing that ever happened on your stage mm. well why you know what while you're thinking about that did you ever have to mount two or three shows on the same day mount well Prepare for two or three. Did you have two or three different shows on the same day? Did that ever happen to you? Yes, but you not in the same place. Okay, okay. We had things going on in our, our fabulous tennis court facility with 40 courts. And whatnot. There was a stage in the middle, and that night there were going to be buses of Hasidic people come to 40 indoor tennis courts. And watched the thriller in Manila or whatever they were, the, the fight. Muhammad Ali came to the Concord, checked in, and stayed there the whole time. Did his training on the golf course. Came back, stayed quiet. Billy, can I come? I said, ah, come on, get over here, Ali. Get over here. He said, I wanted to see where you hell. Oh, look at all these buttons. <laughs> I love these, <laughs> look at all these buttons. You got a lot of buttons, Billy. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. So uh, before we got off off the track, was there anything uh, you you asked me a question about 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 a funny incident that happened um, at, on your stage? Yeah, Steve Lawrence and Nita Gourmet, many many many. Now Joan Rivers, I talked to her. I said, Joan, you got your husband Edgar coming up here to the Concord. And you put him in a tuxedo and you got a baton in his hand. And he's waving it around like he's doing something. <laughs> and you got him on the thing. He catches check. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you're missing the boat. What? 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 But what? I said, take the baton, baton out of his hand, first of all. I mean, take the, uh, by, uh, the, um, take the saxophone out of, <clears throat> out of his hand. He was playing the band. Put a baton in his hand, and you'll be up on the box with the music stand in front of it. There's no music there. He doesn't need anything. Let him just wave the baton. You can pay him four times what you're paying him to be in the band with the trumpet. <laughs> he can wear a nice tuxedo. Okay. Her bow music is Anchors Away. Her you know, bow music? Her bow music. Okay. Joan okay. Rivers, God rest her beautiful soul and talent. I'm doing it for the folks out there who don't know the melody of Anchors Away. So, and when she wants the bow music to stop, she'll reach into her outfit and pull up the wireless mic and 
throw it down. And then it stops. And she goes, hello, Concord. <laughs> I got so much. And would you go right into her act. Okay. Yeah. I did the thing with the limos with you earlier mm -hmm. with Joan Rivers. She mm -hmm. came out. We became very friendly. I went to New York. She bought a building there. She On the fifth floor, there was a dining room. I, you know what I mean? It was. I did the rooftop. She said, I said, what does this door go to? She goes to the roof, Billy. I said, can I go there? She goes, sure. I don't know why you want to go there. I said, I want to go there. I go out to Joan's thing, go up on the roof, and I'm looking around. I go, man, 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 wow. That had a short <clears throat> knee wall on the side, about hip height. And it was all black uh, tar paper and all like that. And a couple of things, so on and so forth. Came back down to her, and I said, I can draw this, but I'll just paint a picture with words, Joan. If you take that door and I open it up, I'm going to put a dumbwaiter there. That's a device that's in it's, the wall. It's an elevator that in the wall. Put yeah. stuff, but right. I'm going to make it battery operated. Cool. 12 volt with a backup battery with a thing up on the roof that the sun's going to charge it. You don't have to think about it. But when you press the button, you're going to go up, 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 and it's going to hit a limit switch and stop the 12 volt. And you're going to slide a pocket door open and you'll be on the roof. It'll be straight with the elevator. How about that? Put that in your right. <laughs> she goes, what? And then now what? Now I'm on the roof. I said, yeah, now is where it gets great. Your indoor art now carpeting is down. Your table with umbrellas of redwood is down. Your chaise lounges of wrought iron, your tables and your barbecue and your bar and all that is all here. So all you got to do is take some food, bring it upstairs, go outside. And it's like you left the city and you got your whole place up there. Oh, cool. That all happened. That all went together. <laughs> tell, so. tell me something. You mentioned um, before um, about your your crew. You said you uh, you said you had bellhops and stuff. Where, where did your running okay. crew and set up crews come from? Okay. The staff at the Concord Hotel was enormous. And when people showed interest backstage and they wandered around and they looked and this and that, all of that that's inside that truck is coming in here? I said, uh, times two trucks. Yeah. This is two trucks. Oh, two yeah. rigs, okay? They carry a man on the crew right. who stands on the ramp that's coming down. Those boxes have numbers. He calls the number. And then he calls the location, downstage, upstage, stage right, because he knows what's in the box, monitors, whatever the item is, musical, whatever, amplifier, whatever. So the people that were walking around where the loading dock was at the Concord and this and that were visually exposed to what we were doing on stage, the big loading doors. That opened up, you know, they were just tall. Sure. And when someone came over to me and said, where do you get all these guys from? I said, guys like you is where I get guys. <laughs> just you answer your own question. <laughs> I'm answering your question. <laughs> you, if you come here with a pair of jeans and a T-shirt and some gloves on your hand, I'll put you to work and you'll start to find out why is upstage, downstage, <laughs> offstage, onstage, well, there's a reason for them having those terms, and a lot of people don't know it, but I know it because I love my job so much that, that I have to go back in history to a little town with a barn, and all of a sudden they want to have some entertainment, somebody playing a violin or a guitar or something, or singing a song, or, or making bow, 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 <laughs> thing in their mouth. Okay, so what they did was they cleared everything out of the barn, and they put a they put a barrel and a barrel and then they put a plank and that was the seat on a flat barn floor and they had there and there and a row in the middle however they set it up but this the stage that the, the entertainers were the dancers whatever were going to be on was up about waist height like a high school stage right something like that so they put the people on that and all of a sudden, the first show or two, people who were in the barn sitting in the front 
only saw the people in the front of the stage that they built wood with barrels underneath. So they said, this is not working good. So they didn't think to rake the barn like a movie theater they when you walk the in as high. They raked the stage. Absolutely. So that's why the front of the stage is, is downstage. downstage. And the back of the stage is together <laughs> upstage. upstage. Now the stage right, stage left. That's standing on a stage looking, looking at the, at the house, audience. Yep. Looking at the front of the house. Absolutely. And break a leg. Well, that term came from when the stage, they tried to have visual sight from the audience by having it high in the back and low in the front, which never worked. Somebody walked across stage, and when they walked, there was no stage there because they were walking downstage from upstage. Right. So all these terms, uh, I'm not saying I fell in love with them. I became very, very fluent with it, and when I spoke to people who never performed at the Concord or brought their crew and their talent and skills and stuff in, they felt at home because we're all talking the same Absolutely. language. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always tell people downstage, you can remember because that's where you can fall down off the stage. Break your leg. Good Absolutely. luck. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Billy, when did you retire? Help, Janie. <laughs> 1999? 1999. Is that when the Concord closed? Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, let's see. The last two questions. All right. Most people in the entertainment industry like to be in front of the curtain. What did you like most about being behind it? You sort of answered this already, but tell me again. What did you like most about being behind it? The, the most I've... I found is what I what I want to just um, relate in an answer to you shortly is the feeling that I got personally because of what I did, how I did it, the accolades that I got from who had thirty five hundred people stand and cheer and knock their knockers. That's a piece of wood with a ball at the end. They knocked them on the tables for applause because of the jewelry. And the, ah, the, 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 okay. Somebody wrote, one of the stars, the singers, put your knockers on the table. Oh, was, was a thing. But so all of that combined is, is what fulfills me with, yes, they're minute details, but it made such a big difference in... Hey, you want to go on the road? I'm going to London. I got a concert. I got a three. You'll be gone a month, man. It'll be some. I know. I know the pockets will let you go, you know, and having to turn them down because I knew what convention was coming, and there was a bigger budget because it was uh, Claire all every dealer, every beauty shop, everything like that, and Claire, Bob Oppenheim, the president, Billy. Can I hire you to come out? I do a lot. Of, I said, uh. You're going to want me on what night? Tuesday? No, Saturday night. Well, here's your answer. I got a show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm booked already. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be coming here. Yeah. So there's no business like show business. That's what Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. Last question. Let's say you're lecturing in front of a tech theater class and someone wants advice about going into the entertainment business. Now, today, what would you tell them? When you say going into the entertainment business, are you talking about singing, dancing? No, I'm jokes? talking about behind the scenes. Oh, oh, being a stagehand. Yep. And what level? Stagehand. Uh, you can be a rigger. Sound, whatever rigger. Yeah. Uh, prop a rigger, person. A rigger for those who don't know is somebody who brings in cables and steel and joins everything together, rigging it up so that this big mirror ball, the size of a car can come down over the band and the curtain close at the end of a show. It's just a visual thing, but it's, you know. It's a science. It's a visual thing, but it's a science. Yeah, absolutely. I can give you an example of the chandelier at the beginning of Phantom of the Opera that is hanging over the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that mm-hmm. that takes some rigging. So what would you, so so someone wants to be a stage manager, let's say, what would you tell them? What advice can you give them? Well, uh, I would have to say that a stage manager has to be excited to know 
all of the pieces of the puzzle of the recipe for success, what they are, and then one by one, I don't say master it, but at least get involved in it and be one of those guys or girls who are at the end of the ramp as the road cases come off. Did he say stage right with this box or left? Eh, shit, I'll put it over here. <laughs> now we're looking for it stage left. It's not there. Is it still on the truck? That's time. The clock is ticking. So that's my answer. I think you're saying that a stage manager all. needs to learn a little bit of everything else. Yeah, oh, definitely. No, you got to know sound. You know what the problem is with the monitor? Right. Is it too close? Do you have too much high frequency? Is that microphone? No, you have to know sound. You have to know sound. You have to know lighting. Let me pay uh, accolades to the Concord Hotel. When I had to learn about upstage, downstage, and flying things in and out, I'm running a, a, um, a fly loft system. With thousands of pounds up in the air, the the things is an overhead loader. Was it counterweights? Counterweights. It's counterweights. Yes, yes. That, for for the people who don't know, that's a big, heavy piece of metal. Yes, and they load into a rack up there, and then they. Okay. But it, it balances the uh, the scenery with with the with balances the, the yeah. curtain. Whether it's a humid day in the Catskills with the doors open all day, and you got a lot of rags, and sometimes you get to move them out of way. But anyway, take a course. Go to a school, read a book, draw things on paper, and that's the only way I could do it. Sammy Davis Jr. came to the Concord, and he wanted me to introduce him the way he wants it. He said, we didn't do it last time, BV. We'll do it this time, because that's the way I wanted to start. It goes with my dance. And what it is, is um, Janie has a picture of of, uh, the uh, setup. With For Sammy Davis Jr.? Yeah, she's got a picture over there of okay. Sammy and his his touring road manager. Oh, right. Yes. Jolly, Sammy and me. We're looking at the floor of the stage, right? Yes. Okay. So here's what this is all about. This is about me saying, ladies and gentlemen, it's showtime. Please take stage. Okay. Let's get ready. All right. Now, darken the stage. Everything is done. And the music starts. There is a particular spot. When the music doesn't stop, but it goes to a drum roll. And that's where I come in. Ladies and gentlemen, Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> Not quite like that. And you got a perfect <laughs> voice for that, too. Not quite like that. But at any rate, he comes out and he's running in the wings, stage left, past the act curtain. That's the curtain that opens and closes the act curtain, H-C-T for those who are following, and he runs out and takes maybe one or two steps and what they call it, locks up his legs. And magically, he slides across the top of the stage and two feet from the microphone, it slows down and he grabs the mic and he goes, hey, Concord, we're back, we're together. Wow. And he just takes it from there to... What a visual that is. We're looking at the stage floor, me, Sammy, and Jolly, and trying to figure out, we had the Concord Orchestra play before the show an hour so people could come in, get their seats, get their drinks, get their stuff together, blah, 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 and then flash the lights, the band went down, or the music went off, and we would start the show. Well, the first thing that I said to them is, with the powers to be, that means the owner of the Concord. That means the producer and director, Phil Greenwald. I'm going to get it. Okay, if that's got it, that way you got to have it, Billy. That's the way we're going to have it. But we'll let them know in the dining room there's no dancing. The Imperial Room does not open for dancing. It's open for coming in and getting a, your table set with liquor and the busboys and Bella. I mean, uh, waiters and waitresses will be there to take your drinks. So we did that. Okay. So that we could put down, where do you hear this? Slipstream. It's a product made for light little airplanes. They're called puddle jumpers down in the south. You're going from Mississippi. You're going here. You're going little puddle jumper. You didn't need an airport to land. You need to land in a, a dirt road. But that got you to your next job for Sammy Davis Jr. and the Will Matson Trio to play in. So Jolly Brown knows about this slipstream, introduces it, to Sammy, and Sammy now can have it put on the stage floor and do that entrance where he slides in and he stops. 
we're looking at the Concord stage trying to say, save dancing before the show. Then the poles come down, you know, where sort of people don't fall. We're trying to save dance so they can have it. No way. So we got to kill dancing before the show. Sammy gets his slipstream and he can slide out and go on the mic. He never goes over the stage left that far ever in his show on stage. So it doesn't matter to him, you know, if, if it's down because he's not going over there. But uh, Paul Anka is a very, very talented, short superstar performer. He works the Concord many, many, many times. Center ringside, steps are made for him to go down to the audience. It's built into every show he does. I just recently saw him at um, the new casino in Monticello. Oh, he was there? He was in there. They have a a ballroom. Yes. Yes, but yes. it's it's not set up for shows. It's got hard floors, hard walls, chandeliers that come out. So Paul Anker calls me, says, what's with that room, BV? I said, you better send somebody from your gang. Take a look at it before yeah. you sign yeah. off. Okay? Yes. Take a look at the room. I don't know if you'd be able to. It's like being in a wooden barrel square <laughs> with hard walls, with a hard, oh, I got it, I got it, okay, I'll send somebody down. All right. He says, you don't mind, I'll keep in touch, and I'll, I'll run them through you. I said, fine, Paul, yeah, give me, let him know, I'll, I'll meet him, we'll go over there, take a look at it. That all happened, he looked at it, and this and that. They had to bring round bases, black poles, poles that go across, and black velvet to cover the wall so it wouldn't bounce like a bass drum. So we blackened the walls all the way around the whole room, and then he put his full Vegas setup on stage. But he brought the stage. Wow. He brought the stage. He brought the wings. <laughs> he brought the sound system. He brought the lighting system. He brought everything. He he had a he the suite was okay. The room, whatever. But when he came down, there was nothing close to the stage. So I got him a motorhome, you know. A big time one you know, from Jersey. Uh, brought it up, decked it out inside. He felt very comfortable because he could do his last little thing there in the motorhome, step down, walk 10 Again. feet, and he's right in the wing. Okay. Otherwise, he would have had to go through the lobby. Through the, the yeah, all that. Yeah, okay. The elevator okay. and okay. security. Okay. When, all when, right. When Paul Leica uh, signed up for the uh, casino, all the roads were jammed up with, with state police, sheriff's police. It was going the wrong way and one way. It was a mess out there. Then. Wow. What a mess. Okay. But at any rate. Um, Billy Vine, it's been such a pleasure talking you're to you. You're a pleasure, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you would, You had a good time. Yeah, you're a pleasure, yeah, because if you use terminology, somebody's going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever the terminology is. Well, I knew that we had stuff in common because yeah. I studied theater and I, I've I've worked in theater and I definitely yeah. know what upstage and downstage yeah. is. And, yeah. and uh, so I knew we had, we had uh, a common thread here, but it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I hear you're writing a book. You want to give us just a few words about that? A few words about that will be the book's title. And what is the book's title? Backstage with Billy Vine. I love it. Do I have a story for you? I love it. I love <laughs> it. I am looking forward to that. You will, I hope, let me know when it comes out. Well, I'll just round off the numbers. 50 years backstage at the Concord. There's got to be some, you know... Thank you for joining us for the special edition of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast brought to you by the great folks at the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. Thank you to Carol Montana and thank you to Billy Vine. This podcast was recorded at WJFF Radio Catskill Studio in Liberty.